we're live and I want to, Leah Weissman, you, you told me how to say it right. You said that in the South, they say it how? Wiseman. Wiseman. The sales and marketing manager with Mirazan. Um, first of all, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. So Leah and I, I, I actually, I was thinking about this this morning. I still remember where I was when you called me. I think, I can't remember whether I sent, do you remember whether it was a mailer that I sent you? Initially, no, you just or dropped by. Okay, and I dropped something to you, I think, or whatever. I guess I just remember you had dropped by, and we were like, "All right, let's meet with this guy, see what he has to yeah. say." I, I remember you, you gave me a call. Kit. I was, I was on the, I was on the west side of Louisville, coming back from I think a meeting in Indiana, and uh, you called, and we started working on some things for you. And that's probably that's been a little while ago. Um, uh, it's been like six years, I think. I know. Time flies when you're old like me. Uh, or having fun. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but, and then I know, so we worked together for a while and then uh, now you've been working with Brett, I think for mm-hmm. a while on our team and hopefully yeah. he's done a, a great job for you. So, but we, we certainly appreciate the opportunities that you've given us. And I know that you have, uh, you've also helped us a little bit with um, some of our marketing questions. I know we've kind of had some non-business related conversations that you've helped me with and, Heck, I think that we set up a Google business profile because you encouraged us to do that. So yeah. we always and it's cool because I think, you know, that's the type of relationships that we like to build. And I think you guys do the same thing, you know, with your customers. So I think there's a lot of synergy there. Yeah, for sure. But, um, well, let's I'll, I'll just start going through some of these questions. And, and, you know, again, I and I'm actually I've been thinking about working on kind of an intro, just a real short intro to try to explain why I do this. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I always try to like to summarize it a little bit, which is, you know, the original thought was to try to start doing some testimonials. And I and I genuinely I I, I don't really like testimonials because I always feel like they're a little um, contrived, if that's the right word, you know. And, mm-hmm. and so I was like, well, you know, what if I just, you know, talk to customers and, and try to, you know, just have a conversation with them? If I'm going to do that, let's record it. And the idea was always it's really we want the focus to be on you guys and we want you guys to have an opportunity to promote your company. But what I found is you know, we care a lot about relationship and doing these has given us an opportunity to go deeper in our relationship with our customers. It's just interesting. And then other little things have happened where we've posted episodes and people go, oh, I didn't know that you were connected with so-and-so or that you knew so-and-so and can you make a connection for me? So there's been some interesting little things, I think, that make investments in the relationship is, you know, one of the main reasons we do it. Yeah. So, so first tell me, why don't you just tell me a little bit about, you know, where you're from, went to school, how long you've been at Mirazon. Just a little bit about your history. Sure. Um, I am a native Virginian. I was born in Fairfax, Virginia, and I, I grew up there, went to public school. Uh, so when I moved to Kentucky and people kept asking me where I went to school, I kept saying, I went to Virginia Tech. And they would look at me really weird because they wanted to know <laughs> what high school I went to. Um that is but, an odd question that is very popular down here. And I learned the same thing being from Ohio. Everybody asked me that. And I was like, there was like two high schools and I went to one of them. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you want to know where I went to high school? James W. Robinson secondary. And <laughs> so, yeah. And then I, I went to Virginia Tech um, State School, um, go Hokies. And I studied public relations and communication there. And I, I, I was involved in some student groups like the Spanish Student Union, Spanish Student Union, something like that. That was terrible. I can't remember what it's called. Um, and we did some branding stuff there. Actually, we, we created like T-shirts. Obviously, you have to follow with universities in particular. They have 
crazy rules about how you can use the logo and how you can alter or add to the logo and what type of logo goes on what thing. And so that was probably some Especially of Especially in a place like Virginia Tech, man. Yes, like- they're, they're very serious about that. And then I ended up working at Virginia Tech when I graduated because I, you know, I was with my partner at the time was getting his master's. So he was staying longer. So I, I, I worked in the Department of Student Affairs and really learned a lot about the the rules around their brand and how you refer to Virginia Tech. And I was involved in a lot of cease and desist letters to ESPN for calling us VaTech because um, yeah. th- that was not part of our brand. So that was, it was fun. It was kind of the first four years. Were you at Virginia Tech. I was getting ready to say VaTech, but I knew better. <laughs> I graduated uh 2011, and then I worked there until probably about a year. I worked there until 2012. It was, you know, it was great. Got it. So you weren't there when you you weren't there when they beat Ohio State early in the year, and then Ohio State went I, on to win the national championship. I was already living here, um, <laughs> but I do remember watching that incredible game because Virginia Tech is very known for its fan support of athletics but maybe not the actual athletics themselves <laughs> <laughs> they've had a good program that, that now hang on a second so were you and i may be dating myself a little bit but were uh, you, you there with about the, michael vick well that and then i was also <laughs> going to ask about the shooting like were you there uh no i was a senior in high school when that occurred okay um but i knew i mean i had built relationships with a ton of people who were students there or who had been in this in the building or who'd been around a lot of it and you know it was a traumatic time for a lot of people but you know it was a really strong community there and you could kind of see it um even showing in the aftermath of the event and the rituals and the traditions and the way we honored the people that we lost afterwards it was um it's very strong it's very strong honestly virginia tech is very strong brand so yeah, it was, I mean, obviously a hard time for the whole country, but, um, yeah. and then, so you mentioned Michael Vick. So like mm-hmm. what, I forget what years he was there. Um, I think I was in like middle school and high school. So he's, That's right. he's yeah. quite a bit older than me. We, I mean, by the time I'd gotten to Virginia tech, we, all the stuff about the dog fighting had already like all the way yeah. gone through and, you know, Virginia tech had made a commitment to ASPCA and all, you know, trying to just, sure undo some of that negative public image sure. he was from newport news virginia I, yes I, he was I, hampton roads and so was alan iverson which i didn't realize that so like oh, around that, that time yeah he was one of the best mda players and vic was obviously an amazing football player and yeah. these guys were both from newport news so well you were so you were getting ready you were talking about the fact that you worked there for a little bit after you graduated and then mm-hmm. you know what brought you here did you say uh the partner i had at the time gotcha. um he got a job in Kentucky. Okay. We were comparing between a job in Omaha, Nebraska, and a job in Louisville, Kentucky. So, um, choice there was definitely the right choice. <laughs> yeah. So well, I moved. I moved with him, and you know, with the skill sets in marketing and branding, you can kind of move anywhere and try to find a job, which is what I did. Gotcha. So then, what brought? How did you find Mirazon, and how long have you been with them? Um. I started working for a startup marketing consulting company when I moved here and Mirazon was one of our clients. And unfortunately, the consulting company I was at was really not doing well. And Mirazon was and Mirazon had reached that inflection point of saying, you know, we need a we need somebody who works here to start managing this. You know, Mirazon had grown enough that just a couple hours here and there from a consultant, maybe writing a blog was, was not going to cut their needs anymore. So they hired me. And so I've been here full time since 2014. 
And so uh, give me a, a sense of like where Mirazon is at today in terms of like client or employee count versus when they're, when you joined them. When Mirazon hired me, I think we had 40 employees, maybe pushing 40, mid 40s. Um, and now I think we're close to 80. We've had some ups and downs in the years I've been here. Um, cause we, you know, we pushed 60 at some point and then, you know, we, we had hit kind of a bad time. I think a lot of companies that had done that in 2016, um, we had to let some people go, but we're kind of back up. We've got lots of clients. We're, you know, very busy. Um, particularly with a lot of people reevaluating how they're providing like working options to their employees and technology is a big like variable in allowing people to work remotely or you know have hybrid meetings where you might have some people in the conference room and some people across the country dialing in via video there's a lot of work that goes into that from the IT side so we've been we've been hopping well, and I'm sure like COVID probably was a very positive thing at the end of the day, just as far as the business went. Not a positive thing for the community, obviously, but like for the business, it created a huge need to quickly transition people to remote work, right? Which I'll, you yes. guys helped a lot with. And um, providing secure ways to access your your working collateral and, and your network and stuff because you know, just letting people use whatever device and VPN into your secure network, that means any uh, <laughs> any anti and any viruses or anything that's on that computer now can touch your network. And so mm. we spent a lot of time doing ransomware remediation for people who were not clients who were having a really bad day and immediately became a client. So yeah, there was some setting up the remote work. There was a lot of security issues. Um, and it's hasn't really stopped. So yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where all that settles. I know a lot of people have return to the office. You look like you're in the office right now. Is that, and, uh, yes. but it's definitely like a hybrid scenario. It seems like in most, most companies. Yes. At any given time, you don't know where your coworkers are going to be. Um, and I think that's the next challenge that we're going to have to address at Mirazon is, you know, if, if some of us are at the office, we maybe want to coordinate times so that we want to be all together at the office so that mm-hmm. we can have more efficient meetings than if I'm here and no one else is, I'm essentially still working remotely. So we right. we yeah, have to kind of true. address how we want to be together and or not. So I'm we sure we've our toes into that. that a little bit. It's, um, you know, with my father joined me in June. And so he's in Ohio. So he joins our meetings, you know, virtually. And then Brett relocated in North Carolina. And um, so now we have two people a week, you know, kind of joining remotely and the rest of us here. And um that's interesting. I mean, and especially for a small company like ours that, you know, it's not exactly like we've got a huge IT budget. So you're sitting there and trying to figure out, you know, I think we bought like a, you know, we're looking at that owl. I think it's the owl or whatever uh, camera that you put in your conference room that, you know, oh, sort yeah. of like camera goes to whoever's talking or whatever. And I mean, they're like, they're like $900 or whatever. And like, so we found like sort of a, an alternative to that for like a hundred bucks we've been using, which isn't bad. It's just a little yeah. camera that sits on the conference table. And you your, know, your mindset just, in those meetings, you have to shift it and like really think about how somebody is experiencing that remotely because like muttering a side comment, like just oh yeah. isn't the same, you know, or we have a problem with some of our employees. Like we've got little microphones that are on tables and stuff and they <laughs> slam their hands on the table. Yeah. So then everybody on the, 
like with headsets on remotely that's like blowing their eardrums out. I'm like, you guys need to remember you have people listening to everything yeah. you're doing and it the sound is different to them. So it's well, like one thing that I, I struggle with is like, I, and, and I'm sure there's an easy solution to this, but it's like a lot of things. And frankly, I probably need to call you guys to maybe help me with it. But I, I usually take my laptop into the conference room and we've got a big television set up that kind of serves as our screen. And, and I yeah. tie into that. But then when I want to share documents to go over it, it sort of takes away the ability to see people. And, you, you know, so like we're looking at the document and I, it's probably yeah. like a, a view setting or something on zoom or whatever where i can like we're, leave the people on the side or we have the same problem we're actually going to implement a two tv system where yeah. one's going to show the video of the the people and the other is going to be the presentation tv i think that we the experience that people have in a conference room when you have people in the room versus some remote and thinking through how those people are experiencing that i think is it is really important and yeah. you know and so for us it's like we just kind of woke up one day and had two people remote and we sort of had to figure it out on the fly and uh, and how do you, how do you feel like you can address like the cultural aspect of it? Like, are you going to have them come here for some kind of summit or like what are you doing? Yeah. So December tenth, everybody's coming in for basically a 2022 planning meeting, and then we're going to have a Christmas party at my house the next night. And you know that's how we're managing it. I I know that for me, remote work was really hard. Like I don't do well where I do everything in the same physical location. Like if I wake up and work and work out and it's like, I need my just personality just where it works well, change of venue. So it's like, I need to like get up in the morning and go to work and then go work out somewhere else. And then home's home. And um, so Brett and I were actually talking about, you know, Brett's like, it does get a little weird. Like when you like roll out of bed and you work and then you sort of just go downstairs and then you do it all over again. And I was like, you know, so that's not necessarily impacting our cult, but it is because like his his experience working with Goodson is very different than, you know, the three or four of us that are here. And, yeah. you know, so you try to bring him in. He's five or six hours away. You can only do that, you know, so often. I told him that we need to probably work, look for like a um, he's in a relatively small town down there that's about an hour from Asheville. But I was like kind of encouraging him like, well, maybe we need to look into like a co-working space or something to where. You know, maybe there's like a something like we have in Louisville where he could pay a relatively reasonable fee per month to have access and go a couple of days a week just to change scenery or something. Yeah. But, or, or maybe he needs to go visit some clients out in the area. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, but no, I mean, that's, that's tough. And, uh, yeah. and, and, you know, we are micro level. So it's like, how do people, how do people do that on a larger scale? It's, it's difficult, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, we've been hiring people in Atlanta, um, Indianapolis, St. Louis. And it's been weird feeling like they're not here to be, I can't think of a better word, but indoctrinated into the culture that we have. Um, and like, we feel like we don't even know these people that work at Mirazon now, which is a really odd feeling for some yep. of us who have been here. You know, we were 40, 35, 40 people and you knew who it everyone like a was. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, it's definitely the growth and the remote aspect have definitely impacted the culture. I mean, in I, a way I we think predict. I think that we occupy a space, obviously that, and this is jumping forward probably in some of the questions I'll ask. But like, th there are definitely things that we can do to try to help people send, you know, welcome kits, onboarding kits, and things like that. Um, but it is, I mean, that only goes so far. You know, you can sort of export, if you will, some of like the physical 
aspects of your culture, but you know, the, the relational aspects are difficult. And so then you start asking yourself like, well, you know, by doing remote work, am I saving enough money in other areas of the business that I can try to say, Hey, we're going to get people here each quarter or something, but that can get really expensive when you start paying people travel expenses and lodging and food and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, and and we have people that they have to be with their customers. So if the customer's working, they have to be on site with the customers. We can't really make them leave. Yep. So yeah, it's, so. it's odd. Let me let me zoom back out just a little bit because I we I want everybody to kind of understand Mirazon as a company. Maybe just go over just okay. the little bit of the history of the company and then, you know, what you guys do. Um, just some of that information, industry, yeah. the types of work that you do, things like that. Yeah. So we're an IT consulting company. Um, we were founded in 2000 in, Mir- in Louisville by four engineers who worked at another consulting company. And they thought you know, we want to do stuff a little differently. We want to make a company that engineers really like to work at. Um, so they found a mirror on, we were exclusively just consulting services time. Like, Hey, here's what your equipment looks like. This is what you should do. Or, you know, Hey, you need to replace your server, go buy something with this spec on it. And then let me know when you get it and I'll help you install it. And it kind of got to the point with some customers where they're like, can can we just, can you buy, just buy it that? from? Mm. Yeah. Can you buy it for us? Um, so we became what is now kind of known as in the industry as a value added reseller or a VAR, which essentially means we resell stuff, but we add the value on top of it, which is the consulting. So, you know, from then on, when we, I think we first became a Microsoft reseller. So we were reselling like the licensing, like Windows, Windows NT, Windows Server, that kind of stuff. And then we became a Dell partner. And things started to take off in the industry a certain way. And there was more software that, you know, we could be providing to small businesses um, that really was giving them like enterprise level functionality, which was pretty great. Um, So we really became an expert in that space. And we just kind of grew that way of creating custom solutions for each business. Walking in like Goodson, if you said to me like, hey, you know, I need a better conferencing solution you know, for my meeting room, we could come in and say, all right, what, what exactly are you trying to accomplish? Mm -hmm. And then from there, tell you what your options are. And no, no two companies are the same and what they need, unfortunately, Uh, which makes it hard. But you know, most of the stuff we do is very custom. And we have a huge team of consultants, they build personal relationships with their clients, they're often there multiple times a week. Um, they know their customers very well that, you know, they could be friends, they could be family, they're local community members, uh, you know, or it's a employee's church. You know, we have a lot of churches that our employees are members of and they do the IT work for them as well. Um, and then we got to a point where some customers were struggling with this idea of like, well, it gets really expensive sometimes when you have to come in and fix all this stuff and I'm not expecting a bill like that and like how do i make this work how can i predict my it spending or you know they're kind of at this size where they don't really have a full-time it person and they're paying us a lot of random time to come fill that role so we started providing what's called managed services and that's essentially like a monthly agreement where we behave as a company's it department so we staff a whole help desk and then we have several engineers so you know, they call, they call us, and they ask us to come help. And there's different levels to that. There's some companies where we're not on site with them all day, every day, we may visit from time to time, or, or, 
come over there if there's an issue, but they call our help desk or send emails. And then we have some clients that are of a size where they need people on site full time. And it could be for several shifts. So we kind of hire and recruit and support our customers that way. So that's kind of been the evolution of some of the ways that we provide support. However, we can do business with somebody any way they want. So whereas a lot of other value-added resellers are kind of shedding that consulting model and going to just a a strict contract-based recurring agreement or they require retainers or something, we don't do that. So anybody can call us if they sign off on the hours that we want to bill them and they call and ask for help, we'll just bill them in 15-minute increments if we work for them. So... And so if you're doing like managed services for a company, I mean, do you have it to where like employees, if they're having an issue, reach out directly to you? Or is it typically just senior level people? Or is it really like you, whatever they want? Like if it's like... It depends on the engagement. So if we, if they're paying us to support their end users, the end users can call our help desk directly. But some people, they might have somebody who is like the help desk person, but they don't have a higher level engineer that can do more of the detailed server or network work. They might pay us a flat monthly rate to monitor or maintain it. Um, So then that IT designated person will then escalate issues to us. And they're the only person that can put in tickets. So So basically they kind of they run defense internally and then they pass it up to you guys in a lot of instances. Yeah. And and, I mean, we're flexible. Yeah. Yeah. Every company wants to do it differently. And I got you. We don't want to be the ones to tell them how to do things. So we're just here to help in whatever way makes sense. And you guys, it sounds like from a, you know, what you guys do or help companies with, it's everything from phones to, I mean, is there anything that it doesn't touch or couldn't touch maybe is a better way to ask it? We actually don't do voice anymore. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, Because voice is moving in this direction where it's very, you know, cloud based, mm-hmm. kind of like just like this tool we're using right now to record this podcast. Yeah. Um, so we we refer that type of business to a good company we love called Virtual Telecom, and yep. they handle that. Um, we don't do any programming. So I got to get somebody from there on here. Oh, I'm sure Brooke would be happy. I to know she would interview. love to. Do, yeah. Um, but we we don't do any coding either. So if you said I, I want a custom application for whatever, I would tell you um, good luck with that. <laughs> so your bread and butter is going to be like the equipment that that employees are using outside of their phone and then also like the management of software systems and data. It, yeah, it's mostly anything that would have a blinky light IT wise, we would yeah. we would manage. Um and then we we even would help with, you know, cloud stuff. So if you do have a server but it's sitting in Azure or Amazon web services or whatever, we can help you administer that. We obviously can't control the hardware it's on, but we can help you administer how that software works in the cloud. Gotcha. Okay, good. Um, all right. So kind of transitioning to talking about, you, you know, branding and, and some of the things that we do for you guys. And then also like um, kind of what the future looks like for you and what the opportunity is. I kind of want to start to merge those. So I'm, you know, one of the question I have on here is kind of asking how you define the mirrors on brand. One thing I know about you as, and, and the company is that you guys care a lot about your brand you care a lot about branding. So, um, Tell, just tell me that. How would you define the Mirazon brand and like kind of your unique value? It sounds a lot like it's going to be rooted in relationships and things like that. But. Yeah. I mean, the main thing is we we are business technology professionals. Um, 
I don't have like a, I mean, other than like our mission statement, you know, we solve problems with IT. Yeah, no, that's fine. And I, I, I probably need to tweak how I ask that question because I think it does make people feel like they're put on the spot. And I don't, I'm not Usually looking you have for, like a like bunch canned, of words. Yeah, like I'm not looking for a canned response as much as like, I just want your almost gut feeling like, tell me like, it's like if somebody asked me like, okay, why Landon do I buy from you? Why do I buy from Goodson and not, you know, these other companies that I can buy? And it's like, how would you define that? And as I yeah. listen even to our conversation before this and as the, and the conversations that we've had outside of this, I think there is a lot of synergy in kind of how you guys tend mm-hmm. to approach the business that it's, Hey, it's relationships first. It's, you know, we're, yeah. Do we sell stuff? Do we do these things? Yes, we do. But we want to make sure that we get to know the client and yes. create a solution that helps them achieve their goals. Yeah. So when we meet with potential customers, or if you were to ask a lot of our customers, like, why do I, why do you like Mirazon? I think one of the um, chief things people will say is we spend people's money like it was our own. And we want to sit on the same side of the table as them. Like we work at their company. So when we're making decisions, we're planning the technology strategy, or we're investigating something with a vendor, you know, we're your advocate, we're looking out for you. And we want to help you make the best decisions. And we've had several customers that have come to us where another IT company had sold them this like massive monstrous thing that we were like, wow, they really took you for a ride, which is really easy to do in the IT industry when you're working with people that don't understand technology. Just like, I don't know anything about cars. If I go to the mechanic and he tells me the whoop-de-doo needs to be replaced for $3,000, I mean, he might convince me. Um, yeah. So the, like you said, we need, to, we need to focus on being transparent, building trust. And we have some core values. One of them is expertise without arrogance. Because the other thing IT people tend to have a reputation for is making someone who doesn't understand feel bad about it. And that's that's not yeah. cool. Like, right. no one can be an expert in everything. Just because we're smart in this one thing, we're probably dumb in other stuff. You know, like, I use... Well, what I always say internally about that, I mean, I don't mean to interrupt you, but, like, to, to jump on that point, it's like, if they knew, they wouldn't need us. And right. That's what I tell our team all the time. I'm like, I mean, there's a, there was a reason that, you know, we, we don't necessarily charge for our services in the same model that you guys do. But at the end of the day, we make our money by selling products. And we do that by, you know, sort of merging the relationship that we build with the client, what we know about them with the knowledge we have of the industry. And, and you know, I always tell our people, you know, our team, Brett, Alex, Ross, all of them, it's like, you know, if they don't know, if they knew, they wouldn't need us. <laughs> or, I mean, a crass way that we say it internally sometimes is don't yell at your money. So, right. yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. I mean, uh, you know, I it's funny that even in just building my company and adding people and and having to really have conversations with myself about like, what is important to me um, in terms of people working for goods and like, what do I want them to value? What I want them to care about and writing values down, like you're kind of alluding to, that's one thing. But, you know, one of the things that I have really been circling around for a while is I just say that I love and appreciate our customers and I hope they feel that way. Now, it doesn't mean I always like them, you know, it's it's kind of like my kids and my wife. <laughs> I love her. You know, I don't always like her. She doesn't always like me. But, it, you know, and but at the same time, I'm like, I know how hard customers are to get. And I know how easy it is for them to pick up the phone and call someone else. And at the base level, they need to feel loved and appreciated by us. Um, and if if that's and I run into people a lot, it, it really shocks me, honestly, the number of people who I don't I genuinely don't think like customers very much. They're just they see them as a necessary evil a little yep. bit. Yeah, I mean, so and 
the, our customer relationship, like you said, for, for you guys, because I've, I've seen that working with you all. We have a primary contact that consults with a customer on basically everything, and they keep that person as long as they want them and as long as that person works at Mirazon, which we usually don't have a trouble with. We have a very low turnover rate. Um, but because we have that, like I have Brett and he knows all the things I've done. He knows what I'm going for, what I'm trying to do and kind of what my comfort level is on pricing. Right. And he has developed that knowledge over years of working with me. So it just makes all kinds of stuff that I need frictionless. And we're trying to go for the same thing with our customers. So if I have my consultant, Brent knows this customer, he knows he set up their servers in 2015 or whatever. And he gets on the phone and he goes, Hey, like I set those servers up for you like six years ago, TikTok, it's time to change them. Right. You know? And he's like, I remember exactly what you're running on them. Is it still this? That just like, that's magic. Yep. You know, that's, that's and they start to learn thing. things. I, the, the example I gave, you know, we, we use the word curation a lot in what we do. And, and, and it's right. It's correct. We should use that word. But I've been, when I have cost conversations with customers recently, especially new opportunities, I've been explaining it to them that, you know, when I hear the word curation, I can tend to think of like a museum curator who's like in a room by themselves and they're just, they're just great at picking things. And I say that our curation is almost more like what I would call relational curation. It's it's getting to the point where I walk into a store and I see something that nobody else in that store cares about, but I know my wife would like it because I know my wife. And maybe it's not even expensive. Maybe it's just something, you know, it doesn't, you know, quality with us, and I think with you guys, doesn't equal high price. It equals best value or best fit for the goal or objective that they have. And, and you know, so we say we get better if we're doing things the right way, we should actually deliver more value over time because the better we get to know you, the better we get at going, you know, Brett's gotten to the point where he can look at something and say, Leah won't like it. I just know it. <laughs> and yep. he can't really explain it. He just knows it. And, um, you know, I think that that's obviously, you know, what we're trying to do with our clients and what you guys are trying to do with yours. Yeah. Um, and sometimes Brett will just send me emails like, Hey, I saw this, I saw this item that came out and I thought of you, I think you'd really like it, you know, just doing that kind of stuff yeah. because I can look at for all promos and I can look at the Sanmar catalog, but that's like so much data. I don't have yep. time to like really pick through all this stuff and then you order it. And if it sucks, that's right. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Whereas like with mirrors on with you guys, you, we, we, test the stuff ourselves we we look at it we we figure out how it can be used we look at we compare it to competitors or different options so then we can make the best recommendations and usually when i tell brett i need something like mugs or whatever he doesn't just send me we like know you like mugs i know i love mugs uh he'll send me and he'll say okay here are a couple options and here are a couple different price points. And here's like what you kind of get more with these different price points. Cause then that gives me all the information I need to justify my expense and pick the design I want and the amount I want and what the colors are. And, you know, there have been times too, where I said, I want a pen and I want you to put this logo on it with our tagline. He goes, you know, that tagline's going to look real bad on this pen. Right. So, yeah. um, He's thinking through things because he deals with it all the time and he knows how it's going to look. He knows how it's going to turn out. So because he does that, he's like protecting me from bad decisions that I don't have time to do full research and yeah. do myself. So, 
No, that's, I mean, that's good to hear. And I know that I, I've said, I was actually talking to my wife about it over the weekend that, you know, Brett and I now work together for about four years and uh, he'll tell you the story. I think I fired him in the parking lot of Mirazon. And uh, when we were walking in to do one of your vendor, I didn't fire him. Maybe fire is not the right word, but I, we, we were just, it was before he became an outside rep. And it's just a funny story we tell internally. And it wasn't working though. Just the way the position he was in was not working. And we both sort of, we were walking into your vendor show that you let us have a table at. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we we're just like, ah, it's just, it's not working. And I remember he said, cause he just wasn't learning the things I needed him to learn and, and just the handoff. Cause the idea was like, I would go kill it and he'd cook it, but the handoff wasn't working real well. And, um, and so he says, well, what if I go sell? And I was like, well, if you go sell everything that you don't know, just got like five times more important. And, uh, but to his credit, when we made that switch, um, to him being an outside sales guy and really he was able to take ownership of client relationships and things like that. I, you know, he hadn't learned things in four or five months. He learned it in a month. And, and, and to this day, I, and at this, at this point today, I would say that besides myself, he's probably the person that I feel like understands the way that I hope that customers are taken care of as, as well as anybody in the company. And, um, yeah, so he's done, he's done excellent. So here, my, now I'm just curious, you're in a very fast changing industry, obviously, yeah. um, which I'm sure, I mean, our industry changes quickly, but not even nearly as quickly as yours. I mean, at the end of the day, decades and decades, cups, pens, notebooks, right? There's been some innovation, yeah, but not what you guys deal with. So tell me, what are the challenges you guys are facing to continue to grow, to continue to be relevant? How do you kind of stay up to date on everything that's changing so rapidly? We, you know, the adoption of the cloud and the, and the different ways that the cloud is being used is probably one of the, the bigger things, plus the, the new ways that um, bad actors try to hurt organizations, right? Those are the two things that are changing so cyber really security, fast. Basically, yeah, right? cybersecurity. Yeah, yeah that was, that's the word, cybersecurity. I should know that. Um, the, because well, I was in a session about it last week, so I had a little bit of a cheat. <laughs> you had a cheat. I work here. I should have known that word. But yeah, uh, so the cloud, for example, like Microsoft products, the way we used to buy Word and PowerPoint and all that, we would buy the license keys for like the whatever the year was, 2013 or whatever, and you would have it basically forever. And Microsoft, you would get patches, but you basically owned it. And they didn't change what the interface looked like. They didn't change the feature set. You had Outlook, it looked like this, and it looked like this until someone decided to buy Outlook 2016 and reinstall it, and then there were probably changes. Now, if you were to want to do that, you would have to buy Office 365 or Microsoft 365. And they push that out. They push changes and updates to people um, all the time. And they do it in such a frequency that even we can't keep up with where features might have moved, where admin settings are. A lot of our end users start calling and they're like, that button I used in Outlook, I can't find it anymore. Um, So trying to be an expert in that has become insanely difficult because just trying to keep track of what wild hair Microsoft had and pushed features out to people. Um, especially with like teams, the adoption of teams and how people are using that, because that kind of pushed us into this squishier space of talking about productivity and collaboration instead of just like the bleeps and bloops of technology. Now we have this like 
middle area where we're like, this is how you have to use this thing. Here are policies and procedures and and managerial efforts that you have to use to leverage this tool. So it's not just like, turn this on and here you go. You know, people right. have to yeah. use it. So that's been challenging. And then the cybersecurity aspect, there's new ways people try to trick end users, you know, phishing, yep. uh, spear phishing, which is where they like they would know Landon owns this company. I'm going to pretend like I need him to wire me money as a vendor and see if he does it. Um, all kinds of different things. And so we have to train people on how to recognize that. We have to continually redefine what a security strategy is going to look like because not any one thing is going to protect you. So you need multiple things. You yeah. need antivirus. You need email security. You need a firewall depend, you know, to stop yeah. things from going in and out or to alert you if something maybe looks weird. It may not be weird, but it might be weird. So trying to get all of that set up, find the right tools, the ones that are the most effective, and you have to reevaluate those on a much more regular basis because security threats change so quickly that the antivirus you were using last year, maybe it's not the best on the market this year. And you really got to be keeping your ear to the ground on what the right thing is. And when you so, got a lot of like ransomware stuff now too, that, I mean, there's several of our clients I know that have been hacked and then, you know, there's the ransom and that's a whole other, that's a whole other topic, but I know it's just really, it's really tough. And so how do you then, you know, we know that a lot of what we do, typically the audiences that w- the the products that we w- provide our customers typically are going to employees and customers. Talk us through or talk me through a little bit of like how you view the things that we do for you and, and why it's useful and valuable for you. And like, what's the objective with those things that we do for you? So I'll start and tell you, and I know this is probably going to make you laugh, but the most effective branded item that we have is embroidered polos. No kidding. Yes, because for us, at least, we have consultants that are going out and about. They're going on site with customers. And if they're wearing the Mirazan polo, or even if they're wearing, like, our, sometimes we get from our vendors, they'll send us a branded polo. And the customer will then ask, well, what's Fortinet? And that yeah. opens up an entire discussion just because they wore that shirt that day. Right. And when I started at Mirazon, we were obviously already doing branded polos. You want to have people look appropriate and having your your embroidered logo on it is kind of standard. A lot of people do that. Um, but we didn't have Goodson at the time. And so what I had to do was maintain this spreadsheet and I would have someone pick whatever out of the Sandmar catalog, whatever polo they wanted. And mm-hmm. then pick whatever color logo they wanted. And some of this predates me. And I still see people walking around in traffic cone orange polos with a full color Mirazan logo. Yep. And if you, listeners, our colors are like royal blue and like yellow. So that looks so bad. So, <laughs> And so I was trying to kind of control that as I was taking these orders. And then I would take this whole spreadsheet as I was taking orders and I would send it to the embroidery people and they... I can't remember who I was using at the time, but it was extremely manual and it was painful and I hated it. So when when you came to visit and you were like, well, you know, you can just tell us and we'll predefine what color logos you can get. We can just pick a couple models of shirt, what colors and and you don't really have to do any of this craziness anymore. That was that saved me an immense amount of time. Well, that's good to know. So that was the main thing that first I was like, OK, these people are legit. 
But, you know, we have other mugs is something we've all also ordered. And well, so let me let me go back to that, because that's interesting. I think that the point that you made and, and, and it's funny, like I always talk to people about that because they'll come to me and ask me about shirts or different things. And and in a previous company that I was in, we did kind of what you described, which is we would put an item out there. They would pick the item and the color and then they would have choices of logo colors, but they could combine them however they wanted. And I always said, well, wait a second. I consider a finished product the black polo with in your case, your logo in white and yellow because you're going to, or you could do it in blue and yellow, but, and it'd look fine either way, but you can reverse that out. But the, and they say, well, what if we want the black polo with both the blue and yellow and the white and yellow? We say, well, that's two items essentially. But yeah, I mean, it's, well, they shouldn't be making those decisions that, that what we found over the years is that marketing people were like, they wanted to tightly control it. And every now and then we'll still have a client come to us and go, well, we want people to be able to make that decision and, and we'll we'll try to talk them down off that ledge a little bit because I don't think it's beneficial to give too much choice to the no, end user and, if you want to maintain also, a It can create some decision paralysis and stuff. Right. So yeah, that was that was the major thing that I was suffering that you fixed immediately. But on top of that, you know, I was not as forward thinking about my promotional items. Um, I was kind of just doing what people were doing before I got there, which was mugs and pens, you know, and I was yep. just ordering these blue pens from wherever. And, you know, it. Yeah. And, and now we, you know, we might have a whole plan if we're going to go to a trade show or something. I, I reach out to Brett and I say, hey, we're going to this thing in a couple months based on like timelines and this type of deal. What kind of things do you think we can order? that we can give away at this trade show. And it's more like forward thinking than before. I was like, ah, I guess I'll just order some pens and a notebook, you know? Right. So it's, it's nicer. And I don't have to sit around and like dig through all the for all promos pages, just looking what's out there. What kind of things can we buy? You know, Brett already knows what types of things I like, what our demographic will like. And typically, um, I'm sure asking questions about the event. Is there a theme? Yeah. What's, you know, who are, and, and that, you know, that's a big thing in our industry is, you know, people always lead the, the questions that people in our industry always ask. And look, I'm guilty of it. I've been guilty of it. I'm sure Brett is. How many, how much, and when? That, you know, it's it's always quantity, budget, and a, and a timeline. And those are important. But more important than that is, what are you who's trying the to item? accomplish? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Who's the item being given to? Are you traveling to the event? Do we have to ship the items? Do we not? You know, all those types of things. Um, and and even now, you know, kind of like you're mentioning, your business really had a lot of opportunity through the remote work thing. We're seeing a lot more opportunity because of that, where we're doing a lot more back-end logistics, where we're sending things individually to clients. Because, for example, we used to send the item in and everybody was in the office. And so they would all go in the conference room and pack it up and send it out. Well, they're not there. So they need somebody to do that for them. Or we're sending things out to employees because they're working from home. Um, and, and then even adding other things in. So that's that's been interesting to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, to your point, it's trying to get ahead of it. And look, I'll be honest, like one of our challenges, I mean, you can have conversations like this and we all, I always, I always talk about the fact that, you know, we all have like a desired customer experience. And then there's like, that's like here. And then underneath that is like the actual customer experience. And there's always a delta between kind of what our marketing materials say is happening and what's actually happening. And our goal as a company is always to know what that, as best we can, know what that delta is and try to compress or eliminate it. And, mm -hmm. you know, I know for a fact that we, you know, we talk a lot about, and it is, it is our beating heart, building relationships, curating all those things that we've talked about. 
But there are days where just given the inbound work that we have to get through to make sure that we're addressing the requests that come in, that we probably don't do that real well, that we become clerks and it can happen. And that's the challenge. I'm sure that you guys have it sometimes too. It's That's the challenge where you're trying to balance staff to make sure that you don't have too many people, but not too few so that you're executing on that. What do you know, and I'm getting off on a tangent. We're coming up on time. So this is a whole other conversation. But, you know, it is it's a challenge to make sure that we're delivering on, you know, the type of customer experience that we want to have. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we've had a customer that just said, I want this switch for this. Exactly. Order it for me. And we were busy. So I was like, OK. And then I send it and they were like, this is all wrong. I can't. I'm like, oh, well, you didn't. Yep. You didn't tell me. But I also didn't ask, what is the switch for? You know, so. Yep. It happens to everybody. But yeah, ask, asking that why, what are you trying to accomplish? Why do you want this? What are you trying to get out of it? Um, that's important for any consultant. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's and and sometimes in our business, it's like there's just not time. You know, they'll they'll come to you and you have all this again, you have this rosy picture that you want to deliver, and then they say, Hey, can I get a widget by, you know, next Wednesday? And it's, <laughs> you know, Thursday, and you're like, Yeah, you know, but there's not at that point, you're just trying to move the levers and get it delivered on time. And there's not a lot of thinking that can go into it. So that's why, you know, we always talk internally, like, look, this is our ideal customer experience. We recognize that day in and day out, there are going to be circumstances where we're not able to deliver the full the full customer experience we want, but that's still the goal. And that's still sort of the client level relational goal. The transactions that are underneath that are going to have varying degrees of delivery. Um, but So that's part of it too. And, we, you know, we also have an ideal client that we want to have. And I'm sure you all too, or you at least kind of know. And so like, I think, you know, Mirazon works well with Goodson because we kind of, we live in that same mindset of like a a business consultant in different areas, but um, we work well together because we understand the challenges of what we're trying to accomplish every day. Um, And I've had clients that they expect like absolute perfection from us at all times. And, and, I had one complaining to me that someone didn't follow up with him right away and tell him what to do. And I was like, look, you know, we're people. We're just people. We're all trying to do our best. And I think we also need a certain level of grace sometimes in our relationship with our customers. You know, there's probably been times where I was like, Brett, what's up, man? And you didn't answer me. And he was like, oh, sorry, I I was really busy. And I'm not going to be like, well, I'm the most important thing in your world. Right. You know, (laughs) yeah. There's, and we've had that with our customers, you know, the good ones treat us like people, give us grace, um, work with us. And I mean, figure out how to work best with each of us because we all have personalities as well. So, yeah, yeah, no, it's, we talk a lot about in our business. It's, it's, you know, I'm very convinced selling is very little about, you don't really convince anybody to buy something necessarily or convince them that you're going to get them to buy something that they don't need or whatever. It's really about managing expectations. It's understanding mm-hmm. a customer's objectives and then managing their expectations to meet them. And uh, and that's why, like, for example, in, in the past, what you're alluding to, I'd get an email from a client and I was working on it internally, but I never responded to that client, let them know I was. And then, you know, I'd get an email two days later and like, where is this? And I'm like, well, I've been working on this, but I didn't let them know that. And, yeah. you know, so the communication and the managing expectations aspect is just hugely important. Um, so, all right, last question, and then uh, we're a little over time. So I'll ask you this, and we'll go ahead and wrap up because I know you've got uh, a stop here coming up in a few minutes. It actually I, canceled. So, oh, there you go. We can talk so. for another hour. <laughs> but uh, so, 
I, the last thing I want to ask is just, you know, tell me what we, and you've alluded to some of this, so, you know, we don't necessarily have to go deep on what we've done well. And I appreciate you saying some of the things we've done well, but where can we improve? And what are some of the things that we've, we've not done well? Because the out, outcome of this for me always is I want to make sure I come away with something that we can be working on improving. And I know ladies items. Yeah. I saw ladies that clothing items. You. Yeah. Is, is uh, not, I wouldn't necessarily say, it's something we're not doing well. It's probably more the industry probably just, has historically yeah. not done it well. I mean, yeah, women's, I just tired of looking like a Kmart employee <laughs> in my polo. So just, I don't look yeah. good in them. Um, you know, that's, I wish I had thought about, I don't really have anything to say, to be honest with you. Well, that's good. I mean, uh, I, you know, and if you think of something after the fact, you can follow up with me. Yeah, so. but I mean, I've always liked working with you guys. You, you know, you would come visit, you would, you would schedule times. This is something that obviously the pandemic has prevented, but it was nice when you all would be able to come and bring some like highlighted things you wanted me to see. Yeah. Like, hey, here's this new, like you brought in that huge mug, like, hey, we love this mug. Hey, we, this is the new notebook we love. We can do the little stamps on them. And, right. you know, and we ended up getting coasters from with that letterpress stamp yep. functionality because you had showed us that. And it's just kind of fun, you know, that yeah. you're able to come and say, hey, here are some things that we thought you would kind of like to examine. Um, and I, I love that. But you guys have always been there. You've been able to help me when I've had short turnarounds. You've been able to help me when I've had partner vendors diff <laughs> with difficult requirements on getting crazy logos on things, um, you know, helping just the apparel store that we have now and allowing people to just self-service order stuff. That is amazing. And I love that, especially because yep. we have a, such a disparate workforce now and they can send it to wherever they want instead of me having to like get it in here. And then I have to take it to my embroidery person and I have to get it back and then I have to ship it to all these places like that was a huge pain. And you guys have solved a ton of that pain. Um, and just, yeah, the, the recommendations on quality products or different new cool things that people are doing. Cause I got to do all this other stuff and I don't have time to go right. dig through and, and then, best guess this is this is a battery pack that's gonna not fall apart <laughs> when we plug something into it yeah so just the consultative ne nature of what you all do has really improved our branded and promotional item game a ton but it, like on top of it you've saved so much of my time that like i can't express enough how much of my time you've saved just taking over the apparel stuff on its own has been amazing yeah, it's always good to hear that, you know, and as I'm sure it is for you guys, too, and what you say, you hope you're helping people to accomplish that you are. And um, I know for us, I think the areas where and like our partner series, which you've joined uh, this podcast, we're also working on some other things as far as curated collections of featured products. The bottom line is, I think the challenge for us, as I mentioned a bit a little bit ago, is. The, the feedback you're giving us is awesome, and it's good to know we're doing those things well, but we also know. And I, I use the word merchandising. I don't know if that's the right word, but making sure that we are helping our clients see a lot of different things that are available to them. Because when you do this stuff year over year, it does get harder and harder to feel like you're picking unique things or things that uh, accomplish or uh, complement, I should say, your your goals, your branding, things like that. Um, so doing a better job of you know not only curating products, but also curating those partners that we're putting out in the partner series. So if anybody's listening to this, you go to goodsandsupplyco.com. You can join our partner series without 
really being Sometimes a client. They I mean, send you, you free stuff. We do. As a matter of fact, everybody that joins the uh, partner series live, everybody comes live, gets a gift. Um, but, but yeah, so that's, I think that's the future for us is trying to figure out, you know, how do we, how do we make sure that we continue to do a better job of so I have executing a for that. you? Yeah, go for it. Because we kind of have the same challenge, right? We sell somebody something and then we're like, bye, have a nice life. No, you can't right. do that. So we have a process, we call them technical business reviews. And obviously you would have to call it something else, but it, the purpose of it is like a, a standing, but probably annual or quarterly strategic meeting. And the things that we do, we sit down with a client and we look at the things we sold them in the past. So we'll look at, and we have like a database where we keep track, but we'll look at things. We'll say, oh, hey, this equipment we sold you um, is coming Mm -hmm. into life next year. We got to talk about a replacement or, you know, we'll talk about, hey, like, how's your business doing? What are you guys looking at doing next year? And we want to we want to execute those meetings, at least around budgeting time. So that depends on the customer, obviously, when their fiscal sure. year is. But, you know, we meet with them and then you you take a look at what they have. You open the floor for any questions. So you guys could obviously do that and say, hey, it looks like I sold you pens like two years ago. Do you still have enough pens? Like, what are you trying to do in yeah. your marketing next year? Are you going to be hosting any events? Are you going to be trying to send people stuff or like what's your onboarding process looking like for hiring people? Do you need someone to help you package like a welcome gift or what other employee appreciation initiatives do you think you need to have next year? And I think you could, uh, you, maybe you're doing that, uh, but obviously no, I, at a standing meeting where you discuss those things overall. So then you can fit in your recommendations and quote people's things and sell it to them. I think it's, Absolutely, where it makes all the sense in the world, and it's absolutely where we're headed. One of the challenges I have right now, as our company is growing, is that I'm still I would probably be the person within our company at this point that would be best suited to lead that charge, so to speak. Um, and I'm still doing a lot of client work day in and day out. So we hired Alex on our team in June, and we're probably going to be looking to hire another person onto our sales team. So basically, it's getting me freed up to be able to have the time to do that. But I think absolutely. Um, and, and because things change, companies change, um, you know, because you had an initial meeting with a client three or four years ago and, you know, your case, you have, you're a different company. The, your market's different. You may be thinking about onboarding employees differently. You're may have, yeah, we, you know, we just hired an HR manager, by the way. So I probably right. need to start exactly. sending some of that off to her and introduce yep. her to you guys. And yeah, so that. that's, I mean, that is all part of how, you know, we've got to try to build out our company, to make sure that we have the capacity to do those things, to stay relevant, to stay on the cutting edge of what our customers are doing, because that's really at the end of the day, that's how we're going to make sure that we avoid competition, taking the business. I mean, when you're not in, and in my case, we don't, you have some contracts, not all, but you have some clients that have contracts. We don't have contracts. Um, our online stores like you're using are going to start to incorporate some agreements. Um, Probably in 22, we're going to start putting some fees in place for those. We have to that we haven't had in the past. Most everybody that's on board now will probably be grandfathered in to a point, you know, depending on the level of things we're doing for them. But it's all really valid. It's worth it. (laughs) Yeah. So there we go. I got to tell Brett that. But um, I'll pay you for it. So, well, hey, I I know that um, sound like your meeting got canceled, but I know you got plenty of other things to do. I can't thank you enough. I know. And I mean this. Really, I mean, you've been a big champion of ours too. I didn't mention that, but I know you, you know, you've put reviews reviews out for us. I know you have recommended us to other people. And then not the least of which is just your, the things you've said today about the job that we do for you. I think that our relationship with you guys is exactly what I would hope every relationship is with a client where it's that we trade value for value, that, that we deliver value to you. 
and we receive value back. And um, so I can't thank you enough for that. And I know that you would pass that along to the, the, the folks that own your business too. Yeah. So, oh, um, you're welcome. And I'm happy to refer business because I know you guys do a good job and you're responsive and you won't embarrass me. So yeah, I'm there you go. That's that, that's refer. my next tagline. We won't embarrass you. I like <laughs> we that. won't embarrass uh, you. But um, I can't say that for Brett. I may not, but he might. So um, he's doing his best. <laughs> so again, I thank you for being here, Leah you're Weissman, sales marketing manager for Mirazon, and it's Mirazon.com. So anybody yes. who's listening who thinks they might have a need for these, and they are in Louisville, but mm-hmm. they do business all over the country. Yeah. Right? So there's no we're limitation. Not too far. I mean, we're pretty centrally located, so we'll, yep. we can come to you if you need us to. Businesses of all sizes, nonprofits, churches, other houses of worship. If you have IT needs of any kind, um, we've got people that can help you. There you go. And you can check them out at mirrorson.com. Mm-hmm. So thank you again for being here and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Landon. 